Those who value scripture often place a great emphasis on faith. But what is faith really? We will explore this question on this edition of Thinking Biblically. Welcome back to Thinking Biblically, or welcome to Thinking Biblically if this is your first time. My name is Alan Gilman. Thinking Biblically is a podcast dedicated to exploring how all of Scripture speaks to all of life. Before we get into this week's topic, I would like to remind everyone, if you haven't done so already, to subscribe and also please share, like, and review. I also want to remind everyone that uh, my next in-person Epic Story Seminar, God, I call it God's Epic Story Seminar, is going to take place on June the 10th at West Ottawa Community Church. Uh, that's obviously uh, here in Ottawa. A registration is free, but you do need to register, and uh, we'd love to see you there. Uh, if you want to sign up, you could do so at alangilman.ca slash WOCC 2023. That's alangilman.ca slash WOCC 2023. Feel free to uh, send me any questions about that at comments and thinkingbiblically.org. Of course, send questions, comments about anything on this podcast. Or if you have any Bible questions that you'd like to ask me or topics or guests that you think we should feature on the podcast, please let me know. But it'd be great if you can uh, to, to see you at the seminar June the 10th right here in Ottawa. Okay, so here's the question that I'm going to try to answer uh, in this edition of Thinking Biblically, and it is, what is faith, really? Now, you might know already I have a passion for this really word, um, and I've spoken before on how the word for truth and the word for uh, for reality in the scriptures is actually the same thing. Truth is reality. Reality is truth. Very often in, in our minds, we think of reality as the way things are, and truth is the way that we describe reality. And then truth is something that's far more subjective. And of course, today people talk about, I have my truth, you have your truth. And I'm concerned that we often look at the Bible that way as if the Bible is God's version of truth. Well, it is. And we could say, well, if, if it's God's version of truth, then it's got to be the real truth, real truth, right? Well, Yes, but explaining it that way, saying it that way, isn't really helpful because there is only the way things are. And the way things are, we call that reality. When we seek to describe the way things are and we don't do it accurately, that's called false or falsehood. What we have in the Bible is a reflection of reality, the world that God made, and how we are supposed to live in that world, really and truly. And so we're going to look at a very core biblical concept. Uh, for some people, faith is just about everything there is, because so much depends on faith, and it does. Uh, but do we really know, from a biblical point of view, what faith really is? What is it actually? What is it really? 
Well, what's fascinating about talking about what is faith really is its connection to truth itself. And I'm going to try to explain that right now. So the first occurrence of the term faith in the scriptures occurs in Genesis chapter 15, verse 6. It's where we read, and he that is Avram or Abram, whose name was later changed to Avram or Abraham, and he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. The context here is, this is a few chapters into the story of Avram, and God had promised that he would become a great nation back in Genesis 12. He hadn't had any children yet, and he was concerned, and God had told him, he took him outside, and he he said, look toward heaven, this is verse 5 of chapter 15 of Genesis, look toward heaven and number the stars if you're able to number them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And we read, and he, Avram, believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. This is what set Avram right with God by believing the Lord. God told him this thing. It was remarkable. He believed God, and that put him in right standing with God. And so the Hebrew word for the English that we translate either believe or faith or trust um, that's important to know both in the Greek and in the Hebrew, the word for faith can be translated believe, believing and that sort of thing, faith or trust. I prefer the trust word, as you will see, because I believe that really captures the essence of what the word is all about. The Hebrew for faith, trust, belief is aman. Uh, and it's interesting, it's actually connected to the Hebrew word emet, which is the word for truth. So the word for faith, I like referring to it as, as, as trust, but I don't know, faith is just easier to mention. So the concept of faith or trust, I hope you're following me, is connected to truth. Um, and so this word uh, in here, aman, is related to emet, and it's where amen comes from. And, and Hebrew is could be quite confusing for us because Hebrew works with uh, these relatively few three-letter, usually three-letter, sometimes two-letter root words, and then all sorts of words are built off of those those roots. So emet and uh, aman may not sound like they're related, but they are. Uh, and it's it's where we get the most famous one of the most famous words of all languages apparently it's the most the most universal word in all languages is the word amen which is originally from the hebrew and it means true truth with certainty this kind of idea and yeshua used it we see this in the in the greek he's when it's translated as you know truly truly i say to you he often says truly i say to you it's in the gospel of john we see it repeated uh, and the Greek uses a, a transliteration of the Hebrew. It says, Amen, Amen, um, from the Hebrew, Amen. And uh, it means truly or with certainty and that sort of idea. And so the question is, how does faith or trust relate to the idea of truth? Well, because faith trust, 
We have to keep trouble with this. Trust, faith, same thing, belief, is the way we rely on something as true. Now, we could have faith in something that isn't true. Our faith, our trust could be misguided. Uh, maybe you believed a commercial once that really wasn't telling you the truth and the product didn't exactly deliver what the commercial was promising you. Like, get this deodorant and you're going to be the most popular guy in town. You know, that sort of thing. It's, it's interesting. The messages we receive, serious messages, um, all sorts of messages, carry with it ideas that they're hoping we're going to figuratively or uh, or actually buy into. You can trust me is what they're saying. And so when we receive a message, um, when we get an impression, we're being called to put our trust in this thing, to believe it. Again, with products that the product, if we if we buy this product, it will do that which we've been we've been promised. So we put our trust in what we've been told as if they've been telling us the truth. That they're that whatever that is that whether someone is trying to court our attention, whether for a relationship, for a job, for buying something, whatever it might be, they seek to influence us in such a way to draw us into believing what they're saying, what they're representing is true. So we could see how faith or trust or belief is an action that we do. It, it's something that happens inside of us, but then it 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 will... Um, it will express itself through our activities, through things we say, through things we do. We're called to set our lives inclined in a particular direction upon something that we believe is to be true. And that's faith. There's the, um, the, the famous story of this great um, um, tight, tight, tight wire a person by the name of Blondin from many, many years ago. And and he actually, he was famous for walking across on a tight wire, Niagara Falls. And he did all sorts of things like with wheelbarrows and carrying things. And he would take people across. And people have used his story as a great illustration of what faith is all about. It's, he's standing there with his wheelbarrow and he's saying to the, the onlookers, who believes I can carry a man across in this wheelbarrow over Niagara Falls? And everyone roars, well, we do, I do, yes. Uh, but who's willing to get in the wheelbarrow? And so there we see a difference between what we might call mental ascent, something that in our minds we're saying, this is true. Like the kind of thing we might check a box over. Uh, it's often something we may not uh, have, uh, we may not be having to put too much commitment in it. And we call that belief, yes, I believe so. Like, do you believe such and such? Who do you think is going to win the next election? Who do you think is going to win the sports championship? We make a prediction. We, we believe such and such is going to happen. We believe in a particular outcome. And maybe we could check a box about it, but are we willing to get in the wheelbarrow? Now, interesting, and, and I'm going to come back to this as we go along, uh, scripturally speaking, there is room 
for this idea of, yes, I believe that's true. I, I'm inclined towards thinking that that is the case, that I believe that this is reality. And that, that in itself is a form of faith, but it isn't exactly the kind of faith that will get you to the other side of Niagara Falls in a wheelbarrow. So it, it could be that we could have a kind of faith that isn't an actual faith that works out in the reality. And we need to differentiate between that in our lives because it can make a difference in our relationship to God and our relationship to life. We could say we believe in, in a certain a certain thing that's going to help us. We could vouch for somebody's reputation, but do we really, when, you know, when push comes to shove, do we really believe thus and so? Now, in my introduction, I, I mentioned how the concept of faith is so central to many people who believe the Bible. Now, throughout both the Jewish and the Christian worlds, there are different opinions on the how faith actually functions. When you get to what we might call post-Reformation traditions or Reformation traditions, the more Protestant, evangelical, charismatic branches of, of Christian faith, then faith really takes center stage. And I, and I think for very, very good reasons, and I, I do lean in that direction. But I do believe that there are some misunderstandings about how faith functions from a true biblical point of view. So I, I want to take a few moments to uh, talk about the New Covenant writing, New Covenant writings, the New Testament, New Covenant writings, emphasis on faith slash trust. Where this really comes up in, in the scriptures is when the good news about the Messiah begins to extend towards people from other nations, who we call the Gentiles, the other people groups, not the Jewish people. As it moves beyond, there was a controversy because there were some Jewish believers, Jewish followers of Yeshua who believed that in order for non-Jewish believers to be fully part of of God's family, that not only um, must they believe in the Messiah, they also had to embrace everything that had to do with what it meant to be fully Jewish. So in other words, they had to their version in those days of converting to Judaism, that it was a whole package. Now, even before that time, Jewish people believed that non-Jews could believe in God and, and follow God to some extent, but the requirements upon non-Jews was much less, and they didn't have to become Jewish to know the God of Israel. But if they wanted to be fully in with what God was doing and, and, and truly know Him to its fullest possible extent, then they needed to become fully Jewish. Well, that idea uh, was held on to by many Jewish believers. It makes sense because this is what was always thought of there was this idea that, yes, these non-Jews can believe in the God of Israel, believe in the Messiah, follow his teachings, but if they really wanted to be part of the in-group, they needed to become fully Jewish. And so you had people, started with Peter, um, but Paul was the big champion of this, and it was to him that God fully revealed the biblical understanding of, of what was required of non-Jewish people. And it was the idea that by simply 
and I, maybe I shouldn't say it like that because it's not simply, it's, it's not just simply. By putting their trust in the Messiah, they become fully part of God's family and they did not have to become fully Jewish to do that. And that was a huge controversy. It's somewhat resolved in Acts 15 with a special council they had in Jerusalem. But we see following that, there was still this was still somewhat of a controversy. And so Paul, who was specially assigned to be the Shaliach, the apostle, the sent one unto the nations, he helped people understand that it, that that true full relationship with god was based on trust not upon the things that we do now as things developed for the next hundred years a problem persisted and i think it's a problem that we still face today it has to do what constitutes true acceptance with god what what are the minimum requirements of of becoming and remaining a child of God. Well, I would go along with with some great scholars in the past several hundred years that would say that it is faith, that we're not required to jump through all sorts of other hoops in order to be accepted by God. But it brings us back to what is faith. But before we get there, um, when you know Paul will refer to the experience of Avram, of, of Abraham, like in Genesis chapter 15. What was it that put him in right standing with God? It was that when he heard God's promise, he believed God's promise was true. And so it was entrusting himself to God and his word. That's what put him in right standing with God. And then how he lived was an outgrowth or a fruit of, the product of, that basic trust in God. And so um, I believe it was scholar N.T. Wright, I don't know if he invented this, this concept, but he talked about uh, badges of acceptance. And that was the, the, the controversy that, that was troubling people in the first century. What was it that constituted right standing with God? Did you have to, as a non-Jew, did you have to become circumcised and follow the traditions of Moses? Or was faith sufficient? And the, it was resolved that that which establishes and preserves our relationship with God was our faith. Salvation is something that is founded, is on a foundation of trusting in in God, not the various things that we do. And yet what I find very often that if, if we don't go to the, the right congregation, we don't read the right translation of the scripture, we don't hold to a list of particular uh, doctrines and this sort of thing, very often those are the things that we use as the badges of acceptance. If we don't pray enough, don't do enough. And we might say, well, th- those are all fruits of, and, and I'm going to go to to James in a moment where he talks about faith and works and this sort of thing. But we, we do get it backwards. We end up judging people on the basis of, of certain boxes that they check, certain things that they do, and, and forget that it really all starts with entrusting ourselves uh, to God. Um, what the Bible calls faith trust, believing. 
But if we don't understand what faith really is, then we can get in the idea that really all that's all that's being called of us is checking off boxes. You know, it's very common in many Christian circles that we define our quote-unquote faith through these declarations that we that we make. I believe this, I believe that, I believe the other thing, as if that's what faith is all about. But faith isn't checking off boxes. It isn't saying, I agree with these statements. It's far more, that's not what was happening when God told Abraham to look up at the stars and he was being promised the impossible. He didn't just check off a box. That's not what results in God saying, okay, Avram, you're all good with me because you said, yes, God, what you say is true. It's 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 far more than that. Um, so, it's not good enough simply to accept statements as true. That's that's not faith. Um, you know, you could actually believe in the resurrection and not have faith because we might believe in a miracle as true. We might be able to say, yeah, that happened. But if it doesn't have any reflection, any response from us, then you know, if, you, if, if you bought a product because you believed it would do something for you, a medicine that's going to make you better, you buy the thing, you tell other people about the thing, um, you, you, you check off like on Facebook about the thing, but you never take the medicine, you don't believe in it. You don't be- actually believe in that medicine. You don't really trust it if, if you don't actually take it yourself. Hey folks, have you been taking like have you been taking your faith medicine? Are we doing those things that are in keeping with what we say our faith is? And that, that's a good segue to uh, James chapter two verses fourteen through twenty three. Let me read this. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food. And one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body. What good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I'll show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. So note, at the end of this section, James quotes Genesis 15, verse 6 that we read earlier. That encounter with God was then fulfilled. It came to fruition. It came to its fullness when he obeyed God, when he told him to sacrifice that son who was the link to having many descendants. That's how much Abraham really trusted God. Note verse 19 here, where it talks about the demons believing uh, that God is, uh, that the demons believe. Let's look here, uh, verse 19 again. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. 
So he's saying, you believe, it's a way of saying, you say you believe that, that God is one, there's only one God, and you're believing in the right God. Well, that's great, but even the demons believe at that level. We need to, we need to really take note of this. What is it about the demons' faith that is not sufficient to put us in right relationship with God? The, it's the same word. It, it, it would be helpful if we could discover that the way the demons believe is a different word entirely, and actually then we should use a different English word. No, it's the same word. It's, it's the Greek word is pistis, um, and th that's the word used here. So the demons believe that, and we're back again to these checkboxes. Do you, do you believe that thing about God? Do you believe this fact about God? Yes. But it wasn't the kind of faith that actually puts us in right relationship with God. It's, 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 they knew things about God. They were not atheists. They were not agnostic. They believed sufficiently several things about God, but they would not entrust their lives to Him. They hated Him. And that's for many people... They believe in God, but they hate Him. And we can make a differentiation between believe, believe and believe in, but it's not so much the point. What I'm getting at is this idea that we could think right things about God as if that's sufficient, and it's not. We need to get in the wheelbarrow. True faith gets in the wheelbarrow. A faith that doesn't have works to to it. It doesn't express itself through how we live is a dead faith. In other words, it's not really faith. It's not the kind of faith that Abram had. There's other kinds of ways that we talk about faith that I think are not helpful. We talk about blind faith. And a lot of people will criticize biblical faith as if it's a blind faith. And I think there are people who say they're believers. They might be true believers, but their terminology is not good. They talk about having blind faith because we can't really, can't really, we can't see God. We, we, how do we know this is true? We can't prove God in a scientific laboratory. So then we call the faith that we express, the faith that we have as blind. But actually it's as blind as coming to uh, good conclusions in a courtroom where we've examined evidence. The evidence points in a certain direction. There's enough witnesses. There's enough circumstantial evidence to show that a thing is true that we could be beyond reasonable doubt in, in the words of the courtroom. And so faith is one of the ways we describe accepting something as true where we can't necessarily see it. And that's normal. Somebody tells you that there's a, a vicious dog coming down the street, get into your houses, and you do it. You maybe didn't see the dog or heard the dog, but you had enough reason to believe what the person said that resulted in you running for safety. There's also, when we, when we read, all sorts of things that we read, we're running on faith all the time, and a lot of it is actually misguided. But it isn't blind. Hopefully it's not blind. It's based on enough as evidence for us to respond in a certain way. People also talk about leaps of faith. And again, it's this idea that there's all this that we, we don't know about God and all the rest. And in some way, it's true. But is it really a leap? 
I think it's a step. It's a step in a particular direction. That's what I did when I came to know the Lord back in September 1976. And many of you know my story, and you can look it up. Um, how I was presented with biblical truth for the first time in my entire life. I was in a horrible, mis- a miserable state. And my enc- I had an encounter with God that day. It seemed like something was really going on. I took a step in a certain direction and God began to change my life. And that's what, what faith is. Faith is this entrustment upon on God and His Word. It's relying on Him to be our guide in life. And faith is actually, when we understand faith is a way that we rely on something that we believe is true, and if it's true, it's going to hold us up. That's why, that's why biblical faith can be tested. And, and hopefully, you have enough good information to go on to, to when you take that step, that God will show himself to be true. But as we go along in life, as, as we get to know God, it's this ongoing journey of faith, of trust, and, and what we'll encounter is the things that will happen and they may not make sense to us, but we know enough about God and His Word to trust Him. And so we, we continue to trust Him, to obey Him, and that's called loyalty. That's what, so loyalty is a good word. When we, when we talk about what the Bible has to say about faith, it's a form of loyalty. Now, how does true biblical faith that is entrusting God and what he says, relying on him, and then a life that is a product of that reliance, a a product of that trust, how does that save us? Now, as I said, we don't have a lot of time to go into, we don't have the time to get into what salvation is, but what I do want to say here is salvation is a fancy word for a more normal word, regular life word, rescue. Salvation in Scripture has to do with rescue. That's why sometimes when someone is healed, it's the word for salvation because they were oppressed in this illness. They might have been oppressed by by demons, evil spirits, and then they were released from that. They were rescued from that. They were saved. So how does faith bring about the rescuing of our lives, our salvation? Well, it's because... When we rely on God, when we rely on his message about the Messiah and entrust ourselves to him and what he says, it draws us into the reality of life. It, it's all faith is a reliance upon an apparent truth. But, you know, if somebody says, oh, you can dive in that water, um, there's, it's deep enough, and you trust them, and you dive in and break your neck, it's because they were wrong. You were entrusting yourself to a falsehood, and it greatly injured you. But when we receive a true word, and we entrust ourselves to that, then that brings us into the realm of reality. Now, of course, there is only real. So if I said, don't dive in there, it's too shallow, you're going to hurt yourself, and you don't believe me and dive in, you've given yourself over to falsehood, but you get hit by the reality of the shallow water. 
We cannot argue with reality. We could be confused about it. We could be living as if what is real is not real. And and that's what most of us do. Most of us are banging up against the reality of life and interpreting it in a certain way. I had an experience today, and um, you know, if you're seeing this, then I, I didn't take it out of the out of the recording, but it really struck me. So there's a place where I like to walk where I get to quite rarely, and it's it's uh it's a path that's along a stream, and and by this road it starts off with a little pond. And as I began walking, it was beautiful, it was beautiful this morning, and um across the other small pond across the other side there looked like this tiny black rock but something in my mind quickly went i don't know if that's a rock just the way the light was uh was reflecting off it but as i was looking and i don't know if it was my own eyesight or what it was as i was looking it's it, it looked still kind of rockish and and yet i do know that there are certain creatures that habitat habitate live in that in that area but don't always see them and so i looked a little closer I looked a little closer. And when I say closer, I was focusing. I was getting a little closer, but they were on the other side of this of this pond. And then I realized, that's not a rock. It's a turtle. Oh, and I looked more. Yes, that's a turtle. And then, oh, there's another one. There's another one. There's another one. And then I couldn't stop at seeing turtles. I'm, I was, there were all these turtles on the other side of the pond. And there's something about, I encountered something when I didn't really know what it was. It was blurry. Then when I realized what it was, it became clear. And once it was clear, I saw all the turtles and they were all clear. And maybe you're getting this before I'm able to explain it. But when we're drawn into truth and truth becomes clear, it becomes really clear. And you then you can hardly escape it. And once you know that truth, it happened again, actually, as walking down the path, I saw this thing it was kind of further away further away it was it was where it was i was approaching it but i was looking at this thing and it looked like a, a branch we had an ice storm some weeks ago and there's still messes uh here and there it's not all cleaned up and so there's various branches lying in various paths and so that would be normal to see and so this thing looked had a curve and a point to it but then i realized that's not a branch it was a cardinal i love cardinals i don't mind the baseball team but i'm not talking about the baseball team i'm talking about the birds I love cardinals, and we have we have them obviously where I live, and the, it was as if the branch morphed into a cardinal as it became clearer. This is what happens when we put our trust. So somebody, so there I was, um, over forty five years ago. I knew nothing about the Bible, knew nothing about Yeshua, Jesus, very little about God, and I'm being as I'm being told the things about him, it got clearer and it got clearer and it's been getting clearer and clearer all these decades. And, and, you know, if there's somebody out there watching this, uh, listening to this and you're agnostic, you're atheist, uh, uh, you, you might believe in God, but you don't think there's any way that Yeshua could be the Messiah, then it's going to be very, very fuzzy. But it's, but it's so clear to me now, the truth of God is clearer and clearer and clearer, even when I don't like it. But at this point, I'm committed. I'm not. I'm, I'm committed to that truth. I've put. I've entrusted myself to it. And you know, you may not believe this, but if if I discover that it's not true, it would be difficult to 
reject it because of over 40 years of walking this thing out and all the things that my wife and I, we just celebrated 43 years of marriage. We have 10 kids, eight grandkids. I have so many stories of faith that I could tell so many stories where God's come through when I didn't actually believe that he would do so in the way, especially in the way that he did, but he has shown himself over and over again. So, um, and, and I still long to connect with the reality of the truth of who he is and how he's made the world and how things really work and how I'm supposed to respond to them. And that's, that's what salvation, that's what the rescue is all about. You know, I was raised that if we, you know, life was all about having enough money. And because we didn't have money, then we were supposed to be miserable. And so I was miserable. And so I have to fight that idea that, oh, I don't seem to have the resources to do this, that, or everything, or whatever it is. And, you know, I learned early on that God uh, was going to take care of me and that God was going to provide for me. And and I remember when that first happened, and maybe you read uh, my newsletter where I talk about that, and I, the one uh, that has the article, Happy Manna Day, um, uh, remembering the, the provision of manna. God provides. This is, so to believe that God pays for what he orders in our in our lives, this is... This is what it means to be rescued. It means to be saved, to be live in that realm of truth instead of living in the realm of falsehood and, 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 and lies, but rather to live in the truth. And faith is that which is our posture where we lean in to the reality. I think we're going to end there. One of the questions I think we need to answer when we ever talk about faith is, can we lose our faith? And there's opinions about that. And I want to address that. I don't know if I'll do it next time or, or in a little while, but it's something that I've been working through. It all relates to what is the dynamic of faith? How is faith supposed to work? How, how do we live out a true faith? And how does, how does that relate when we struggle and all the rest? And does it all matter? So we'll deal with that another time. Please, if you have any questions, if you don't, agree with me, put your comments in the comment section below or email me at comments at thinkingbiblically.org. Don't forget, if you can, uh, I'd love to see you at the God's Epic Story Seminar on June the 10th. Uh, the information is there. It's uh, Go to alangilman.ca slash WOCC 2023, and you could register there. Uh, and so in until next time, this is Alan Gilman with Thinking Biblically. Thinking Biblically.